0: It was pretty interesting because I did a lot on eBay. I mean, at one point in time, I I was doing a couple hundred thousand dollars a month on eBay. Wow.
1: Hi everybody, Emran Pilati, host of the Mind Your Own Business Podcast. This is episode two with Zach McReynolds, next home rock stars, real estate rock stars. I apologize. Are you recording this right now? Joe, well, you know, I gotta do that for the first time. Okay, the well, at bro. least let me put let me at least put my hat on. All, <laughs> All right, right. So for those of you that don't know, uh Zach and I are not only friends, but we've worked together in the capacity of real estate for about five, five years now. It's been that we long? just did our we're actually our five year renewals coming up. Yep. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you're here. You, tell us a little bit about the background for those that don't know you. Uh, give us the cliff notes about you and your partnership with Sherry Brown.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm in Santa Cruz, California, which is a suburb of LA. I've lived here most of my entire life. Um, owned a few different businesses in this city before I got into real estate, but I got into real estate about 12 years ago now met Sherry right off the bat. She had been in real estate for a few years at that time, I think like seven or eight, if I recall correctly. And uh, we just kind of got each other, teamed up. We, a little bit of yin and yang. I didn't know anything about real estate, but I'd come out of running different businesses, knew a lot about the internet. Um, This, you know, 2010, the early days of Facebook and, and SEO and all that stuff. So we kind of just partnered up right away. And uh, we slowly became a top producing team in Santa Cruz. Ultimately, reached number one, taking out somebody who'd been number one for twenty plus years. So that was a pretty cool feat. Um, we've sold a hundred plus houses a year for the last six or seven years now, um, culminating last year at one hundred and seventy-one transactions, and like literally hit a hundred million on
1: on the head. Um. For those of you that don't know real estate, that's that's pretty- My bad. I forgot yeah. this isn't a real estate thing. That's, that's, that's pretty great. <laughs> no, that's great. So the partnership, you and Sherry have been working together for how long? Uh, we met like in 2010. What led you to success with some decisions that you made in business uh, and also some stumbles? I think that's important too, to kind of show behind the curtain that not everything's perfect. And when people look at your finished product or your about to be finished product, they they look at it and go, "Well, everything they touch turns to gold," and that's certainly not true with anybody in this successful business. Zach, you started in in technology. Talk about that background as far as where you were and what you were doing at the time.
0: Yeah, I started on you know my first internet business in nineteen ninety eight, and was you know I was making good internet money in two thousand and one as a oh. young, young man. Selling products on the internet.
1: (laughs) I started an online smoke shop. (laughs) Very see that's this is what I want. When people hear, "Oh, Emery, you sell baseball cards," they they laugh, and I'm like, "You laugh, but we did four transactions that paid for what's equivalent to your car. So it ain't that funny." Tell me about the smoke shop world. You know, it's a little
0: touchy subject still. Sometimes it's (laughs) awesome to talk about that happen, but. Well, you know, it was just—it was nothing. Online really, e-commerce is what it was. Nobody like. was doing it. It was the late '90s, and I recognized that there was a—you um, know—people broke their glass smoking accessories <laughs> often, <laughs> and they were expensive. So it was pretty interesting. It was actually pretty cool. Um, You know, it grew into something I never thought that it would be. Ended up opening like a local shop in my area. Um, but after a few years of doing that, I, you know, it was something I didn't really want to be doing anymore. So I kind of quickly transitioned to the clothing world. I had a, a you know, one of the first streetwear shops in my city at the time and did that for a few years and had a, had a great time with that. Did you carry other brands or was it your own brand? We ultimately got into printing our stuff. I've mainly carried other brands. So it was like the early days of the hundreds you know, it's like when Supreme really For I didn't carry Supreme, obviously, but it was like that kind of style of stuff. Sure. And then and then we carried like some trendy stuff, like Von Dutch was a big thing. Hey. Yeah. But I sold a lot online too. So I had a shop and could get, you know, you had to have a physical location
1: in order to get the accounts. The days so, of e-commerce back then, what was the platforms that you were using?
0: Um, man. I mean, we're going back 20 years. Well, it was pretty interesting because I did a lot on eBay. I mean, at one point in time, I I was doing a couple hundred thousand dollars a month on eBay. Wow. So it was funny because I actually was trying to find a product. Like I see these commercials now for like ship station and stuff like that. Like we were trying to kind of figure something out where, how could I have inventory that I, can keep track of what I have on eBay. Because, you know, if you have a product on eBay, it's something you're physically carrying where sometimes you're selling something on your website that you don't physically have in stock because you can order more of them.
1: Oh, it was worse than drop shipping because you weren't even placing the
0: order until it was ordered through you. Not always and then that was only on the stuff that you could get but it was like really interesting and we I got really big in selling stuff into England so I actually had an eBay just like set up like ebay.co.uk and uh-huh. we we're pretending to be in England ebay shipper and like they had a lot of stuff out there that they couldn't get like famous stars and straps when that was big like the belt buckles well those was those were ten dollars wholesale but i could sell them for like 30 40 pounds at the time and that was like 70 80 bucks wow so well, i did a lot of stuff in england where i would like go out to england once or twice a year and i was trying to like get into their scene and figure out like what they couldn't get out there it was
1: actually like it was it was a pretty interesting time All right. so that leads so that leads into lesson number one find what people can't get and deliver it to them. There had to be some research involved in that. How did you determine that was a market need? It was just,
0: you know, it's like anything. Honestly, we kind of stumbled into it. I had a um, a screen printing machine. So we were making like a a lot of our own shirts or recreating shirts. And, you know, I guess you stumble into it and you find like this, why, why are so many English people buying this one product? And then as you start exploring that, you're like, oh, wow, there's a lot of things they don't get out there. And a lot of it was like kind of the, the American punk scene. Like that was a lot of the stuff they wanted out there that they couldn't get. And then you some streetwear stuff too. It was like the
1: fringe stuff. You know, that reminds me of back in the early nineties when I was in high school, um, we're about the same age. So remember when we would sell our Levi's and they would take them to Russia. Remember yeah. that? No, exactly. That's very exactly similar, right? You're saying that it, it was, a, it's a need that they couldn't get to and you delivered it to them.
0: Oh, yeah. We were, I mean, at one point I was shipping like 50, 60 things a day to England. <laughs> and a, a lot of it was like crazy markup stuff because it was like, you know, an 8 or $9 t-shirt or if it's something I made. I mean, the cost of screen printing a shirt, you're talking two or three bucks to sell a shirt for
1: sometimes 50 $60. Three ways people get out of a business that's successful. A, they get bored and they say, I want to do something else. B, they get acquired. Somebody buys them or see market conditions change and the and the business gets defunct what did ha- what happened how come you're not selling stuff to UK right now
0: right so i we were doing so much online but it was such a hustle man that ebay hustle it's like you're pretty much daily having to put your product on and it we kind of started to get a little burned out but we were making good money i thought kind of falsely at the time this was like 0506 i said okay we need a really good brick and mortar presence so i went in and put a store in my local mall Basically lost nine hundred thousand dollars in like eleven months and just how did that happen? We a a lot of inventory, the build out in the store, the rent was twenty plus thousand dollars a month, you know, and then because we ended up shifting our focus to focus on that store, the people that we had put in place to run the eBay hustle didn't have. The, the drive behind it, the motivation to do as much as we were doing. So, you know, that started to taper off as we focused on the the mall store full-time. And ultimately, I never once profited in that brick and mortar location to even cover my $20,000 a month. And we we went pretty big because I was like the first one really trying to do like the high-end denim so rock and republic, true religion, like the stuff that was hot back then. We had a few little boutiques in our town, but you know they only carried a few things. Where we tried to, you know, I had, if I recall correctly, I think we went in with like three to four hundred thousand dollars in inventory, mm-hmm. and then we just had a hard time. We basically didn't sell shit.
1: <laughs> and- yeah, it's, it's. I think it's tough when a set up. I, I'm an owner of a sports card shop now, but my first foray was in 2000 doing that. I owned it when I was 22, 22 ish. And I was in a mall and 9-11 happened and goodbye business because nobody wanted to go to a mall. And I think the mall scene nowadays is just not anywhere. It's bad, where it's it bad now, too. Yeah, it, it truly is. So I, I get that in 05, 06. I think that's when people were using their houses at ATM. There's this disposable yeah. income. And then as it tightened up in 7, 8, and 9, I think people were yep. changing their spending habits and luxurious spends on denim jeans, high-end stuff. Totally. And we, we basically went out of business in that before the economy really
0: took a shit, but I was so burned out on it. And then I had a business partner and we ended up having a falling out, you know, his wife got involved, but me and him had been like the decision makers up to that point. Now there's like a, now we're a three-headed monster, but I'm always getting outvoted on everything. You know what I mean? So by the time like that was over, yes, I could have gone back to the original hustle of just like doing the eBay stuff, and probably could have still been successful and you know made a couple hundred thousand dollars a year easy. I I just personally was burned out, and I left. I left my town. I I lived here my entire life. I literally moved to Austin, Texas, with five hundred dollars in my name to just like. And I what was cool is I did this through most of my twenties. I basically made my own money from essentially twenty one to thirty. Basically went bankrupt right at 30, and then just kind of needed some soul searching, got into, you know, weighted tables, bartending type thing for a couple of years, and then got into restaurant management and was like, oh, okay, I'm used to working 70 hours a week. So working 50, 60 hours at a restaurant felt like a break yeah. to me, you know? And I, it wasn't my, it was the first time in my life that I was working for someone else. So I, I wasn't taking my problems home, you know, it was like, I'm off the clock. Right. But then slowly over time, because my brain doesn't work like that, I wasn't off the clock and I'm so hyper-focused on somebody else's business that they're not listening to me or don't want to take my advice or don't want to hear me that I ultimately realized, okay, I need to be back in business for myself and then move back to my hometown. I wanted to get in real estate. I wanted to be an architect when I was a kid. I've always, um, I, I joined Keller Williams because I heard they were good for new agents. They had a lot of training. And I just, I I was there every day. I went into the office every day before I was even licensed, waiting on my license. And that's where I met Sherry at a training thing, met her at a, they were talking about like websites. And obviously that was my background. And, you know, I think she recognized the genius of me. <laughs> and
1: she- as, I, as I tell people what Jessica feels, you know, I'm smart, good looking, and most importantly, humble, right? So yeah. she probably felt the same way about you. Totally. So she actually hired me to,
0: she needed to revamp her website and she knew it wasn't licensed. So she basically hired me to build her website for me, did me a favor, was going to put a couple bucks in my pocket. And then, you know, we just started meeting a lot. And I was telling her all the ideas I had, because I had been obsessed about SEO for real estate for a while. I'd kept an eye on our market here, even when I lived in Texas, because even in Texas, I'd planned to get into real estate. But then I was like, okay, this restaurant management thing is kind of cool maybe I can maybe this is my new life you know I'm a social person I liked the aspect of entertaining guests every night in a fancy restaurant you know it was like it it was kind of everything I was it was cool you know
1: but I I worked uh, in restaurants for years and one thing I loved about it was Late nights and no early mornings. Yeah, it was it was Most like people. right on my alley, man. <laughs> yeah, and and if you were serving, you had cash in your pocket every day. Yep. If you're managing, you're the cool leader of a, a band of misfits. It's pretty pretty totally. nice. Totally, hundred percent. That's
0: exactly. And in Austin, which is like a super cool city, it was great to had a great nightlife. You know, like you can get off at midnight and still have a little bit of fun. And yeah, you didn't have to be at work until
1: four the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. three four. Yeah. So so fill me in. So you t- you get a taste of real estate. You get involved. What What's the first part of success? Well, first of all, backing up for a second, you have an incredible background story about your growing up and not having much and being raised by uh, not a traditional family. And it intersects with Sherry's. And we're not comparing stories, but Sherry's is like right. off the charts, unbelievable story. yeah uh, Real quick, so that way you can, when people are visualizing, they're listening to this the two dynamics between the two of you, why it matched so well, because you guys both came from nothing right? and, and you're building something that's pretty incredible. Uh, quick. Yeah, just, you know, a a pretty
0: normal single mom stuff. She worked two jobs, didn't see her a lot. You know, we, we actually ended up moving to Santa Cruz because we had to essentially hide from my real dad who was, you know, an alcoholic and had, had, you know, assaulted, attacked, hurt my mom one too many times where we finally just we lived in van nuys and we came up here and like literally hid from him and this is where i grew up and we just couldn't we didn't see him ever again until ultimately when he was dying from alcoholism when i was 17 years old um so we grew up in a trailer park you know with my mom working for like an attorney during the day and then waiting tables and stuff at night you know that type of thing so i mean it was at the time it's not like you know it, I didn't, it didn't feel bad. Maybe we we're short on money at times. I honestly, I have this weird obsession with shoes, as you know, like somehow my mom still like, she got me Jordans and like looking back, like crazy, you know, you reminded me like $150 shoes. Like that's wild. You know, if you, think,
1: if you think about this though, and this is the, this is my truth. I really believe this. You hang on to things that mean something to you as a kid. A hundred percent. I I'm surrounded by baseball cards because when my dad died, when I was 10, the only thing that I had to love me back was my cards. I went to the card shop. I like, this is nostalgia right. for me. And I think that the reason why you're obsessed with the shoe, the shoe game is because of the memories that have provided you of comfort from your mom delivering on that. You know, it's a, it's a heartfelt aspect of it, but like, I didn't know that part about your, your dad, you know, was so abusive and, and all that. And, and then seeing him you know, yeah. at the
0: end of his life it's we actually ran from him i was born in oregon my mom left him when i was two she actually left him with like no money like seven bucks and like bummed gas money to get from oregon down to her family was down here to southern california and that but then he ended up trickling back down to california he was from thousand oaks and then you know okay fine now like he's back to like getting us for weekends but like would show up hammered my mom's like you can't take them like like this So he actually like punched her through the front door window, like broke the glass and hit her. And then, so that was like the like last straw. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We saw. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. That's
0: just burned in for sure. I don't have, I have a couple like memories of him not being a complete asshole, (laughs) but my sister is two years older than me. So she had more like love and affection for him. Like cause she could remember more normal times where i was like from two to five i think i was like six when that happened if i recall correctly when we finally left and we moved from vanuys up to santa Greta but then we were on like a, 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 a alert for him like if you, we ever saw a baby blue f-150 we like had to be scared like there was a real fear that he might find us and try to kidnap us wow which was like you know whatever crazy and then <laughs> so yeah but and then obviously you know sherry was homeless at as a teenager, like on her own own, which is pretty crazy. And, you know, it's funny. It's like, we meet, you know, it's not like you talk about that stuff, but I felt like I was a pretty motivated person for most of my life. You know, like before I, I quit my like last job, I am working at Starbucks at 4.00 AM, you know, the early shift, you got to be there getting off like 10 or 12. And then I just spent the whole rest of the day working on my website, like trying to build this thing. And then when we get the actual store location, same thing, that's when I finally quit Starbucks is um you know i'm like in the store all day but i basically was like sleeping two hours a day f- at certain points in my life you know so I think- meeting sherry I-, I had never really seen that motivation in, in somebody else. else yeah until then and i think we just like and then like it was crazy because it was like we just spitballed everything off each other and like it was like our buildup was very quick, you know, that first year. So you asked like, how did everything kind of go? Well, my very first open house, I, I got like three buyers out of it. Like very first open house, the day I was licensed, me and Sherry go together. She recognized like a segment of a demographic she was never getting. And that was like, cause I'm a little older than her. She wasn't getting like the middle-aged women. So it was like, I think she recognized. and we, cause we didn't necessarily agree to be like partners yet. It was kind of like a mentorship. I was helping her with the website. And then she was going to teach me real estate. And I wanted to know so much. I was, I, I knew I didn't, and you know, real estate, like this is crazy. Like contract, there's so much to understand, you know, that like, and I, I'm okay working 24 seven. Like, it's not like I wanted to get off and like go do other things. We just started like being with each other all the time. Cause so I can absorb as much as I could. And then I, you know, I come from this world of marketing and you know, real estate's kind of a weird thing where, where a lot of businesses don't spare a lot of agents, you're your own business. You're not spending dollars on advertising and marketing, but I came from a world of owning this smoke shop and owning a clothing store. You have to spend dollars on marketing, whether it's for local or f-
1: online. And, and, the, I, and, and there's two components to that. I think when people think, well, shit, I spend a lot of money on Facebook advertising or Instagram advertising or bus bench ads or whatever, it's going to, Extrapolate into uh, x amount of dollars. It don't work that way in real estate because you actually have to deal with personalities. Uh, you right. imagine if you were to sell a widget. Let's just say you were selling smoke smoke shop supplies. In, in real estate, the comparison is somebody would be like, "Oh, you're gonna go buy that stuff from Zach sh- Smoke Shop. Come check out my mine. I'm, I'm cheaper. I'm better." Okay. Nobody's doing that. Right, this businesses right. where they are in real estate. Right. Right. Like my uncle sells real estate. You should talk to him. Right. Like, but you haven't, you have active competition in the ear of your potential clientele Possibly. all the time in real estate.
0: Right. Whereas you many, don't have
1: that when you're selling widgets or right. car washes or any of that stuff.
0: Right. Right. Or you're at least competing for that market share, but it's different. It isn't as cutthroat or, you know. So I I think Sherry was, a, and she is, she's a really good realtor. And she'd been, you know, she got in very early. She was basically in real estate at 17, got licensed, real estate license at 18. She actually was licensed in real estate before she had a driver's license. You know, you know the story. She sold her first house on a bicycle. On a
1: bike. And she threw the bike in the bush. So She rode it to
0: the appointment. Yeah. Like hid the bike. She didn't want the people to know she rode up on a bike. Rode a
1: bike. Yeah. (laughs) uh, uh, We have to have her on a pod eventually. But the reason why I I separated you two is because of exactly what you said, which was like the the excitement of business for the two of you. When I when I did two pods with you before, both of you are talking on top of each other because of your enthusiasm for business, not because you're trying to one-up each other, but you're like, oh, yeah, you know what else? When right. Zach did this, let me tell you about this. It's like, ah, oh, like I, yeah. I had to like back up, but that's what you want in a partner, both in life and in business is to have somebody that's just as enthusiastic because never, it doesn't feel like work every day right. because the two of you are knocking it out because you're excited and enthused about it still uh, 11 years later. And I think that's an important part of even like, you know, the beginning. Of, so, you know, we meet whatever,
0: whatever, you know, we are business partners for seven years. We're dating now, but we've now only been dating for like five years. Right. So there was this weird enthusiasm and there's a, there's a different, there's one thing to be motivated, but there's another thing to be motivated to help somebody else. Mm. And there was this weird buildup that we had with each other. Cause it wasn't like, I was just trying to figure it out for me, but it's like, you're trying to figure it out for her too, you know? And like, I, we like pushed each other that way, but it was like, you know, it was, it was subconscious. It's like me looking back on it and going, because that first year she had come out of having like kids and not being fully all in in real estate, like she was in a few years back. So it was like her kind of reabsorbing into, she'd been on a team. It was like her going all in again. So that first year we do 13 deals. Most of them were hers. I'd met those, you know, a couple of buyers at that first, I sold three deals that year, but I met them all basically out of my first open house. So it was really cool for me because it was like my first open house. And then you're meeting actual clients that are turned to actual transactions. Obviously this is the short sale market too. So it was like some of those didn't close for nine months, you know, but, but then we go 26 deals. And then, so our first three years is 13, 26, 52. We literally go 13, double, double, then we go 60, then we go 80. And then all of a sudden we're selling a hundred houses a year. And just like those first couple of years of being together. And, -hmm. you know, in our city, like a hundred deals is very rare. Only a few people have ever sold a hundred houses in a year. So to like, kind of just like rocket ship to that, it was a lot of things. It was her knowledge in real estate, my understanding of having ran businesses, you know, and that yin yang of filling gaps that the other person wasn't good at,
1: you know? I think, I think that also you worked your ass off when you were selling 20 houses a year as maybe a little bit more, but not like five times more work your ass off to sell a hundred. You became more efficient in your business. You started being able to streamline some stuff. I think that's, I was talking to somebody the other day and to go from a four star restaurant to a five star restaurant, isn't one star's worth of, it's like a million times to get between four and five. Right. It's like an earthquake. Right. The difference between those one, you know, it's not one. It's like, (laughs) it's a lot. And for you guys to be able to build that, but still be parents. To your children you have you have children so to be parents to be present to be a good role model and i think both you and sherry and, and sherry's mom was um she'll tell her story but her her mom had her challenges and now they have a great relationship as far as i know and you guys had examples of bad parenting in front of you uh and i think that's what made you guys based on what i know awesome parents to this day Because you saw the example in front of you. And when you're building a business of that magnitude, you've got to streamline. In fact, one of the first things that you did uh, is what a lot of people try to do today on TikTok or whatever, is you guys went viral. You did a video. Talk to me about the music video that you guys did. When it happened, this is early. This is pre-TikTok. Yeah. uh, It was like 13
0: or 14. I actually kind of forget. YouTube ultimately made us take it down.
1: Because? so. Uh, Let's we'll start with what it was before. We yeah, talk so about
0: it. we had a buyer's agent at one point, and she had a sister that was a singer, like and and famously like on a few albums of like people you'd know, and then and she was very creative too. So she comes in one day and she says, like I wrote this verse about real estate, uh, like a rap verse, to the "Every Day I'm Hustling" the Rick Ross "Every Day I'm Hustling" song. So she basically like. You know, gets her phone out, plays the the beat, and then like raps his verse. And you know, I'm a hip hop head and thought I was a rapper back in the day. And I've had turntables most of my life, and very much in that genre. Like, still to this day, I'm a 45 year old man that pretty much only listens to hip hop. Like, <laughs> sadly, I guess. But nothing wrong um, with that. So I thought it was like super dope and hilarious. And I wanted, I'm like, I'm gonna go write a verse. Like, I haven't written anything in years, but I'm like, I'm in. So I went and did it and then Sherry did it. And then we like kind of circled back and we had three verses to it and we thought it was great. And then at that time, Sarah was our buyer's agent. Her sister was in the studio recording her own like first album with this guy that produced, you know, big, big people throughout the years. So apparently her sister played it for him and he thought it was hilarious. And he offered for us to just come down and he would just record it for us. Like I think for free. I don't remember if we, if we paid him. I don't think we paid him. So we go down and like literally like do it. This all comes together in the matter of like three days. Like from her saying she had a verse to me having a verse to and Sherry having a verse to being in the studio with this, like a real producer down in Los Angeles was like maybe four days max. And then he sends us back the like final version. It was, it sounded like so like real, it was so cool. And then Sarah's sister was dating a guy that like made videos. So then that, that, literal next week like day that was the weekend and we're like let's just film a video for this so we like throw it all together and Then the video comes out and it like looked like a real video sounded like a real song and then sure enough it like it blew up it wasn't like vulgar or weird or anything but like we were at home smart at the time and they like f- told us to take it down or they d- didn't want us to be there and we were like okay then fucking <laughs> like then we're leaving
1: because like it was so bitching. like was, we thought it was that was, a co- that was a catalyst for you to leave a company
0: no, because our, the actual owner, he was cool with it. It was like corporate had a problem oh, yeah, with it, yeah. but like we did absolutely nothing wrong. And it right. was like, I watched the video. I thought it was great. It was at one. Yeah. Like it was just dumb. It was dumb that they had a problem with it, but it blew up. Yeah. We got like, you know, hundreds of thousands of views right away. And it never, did that, like, did that track to business being sent to you guys? You know, it's funny because we definitely heard the rumblings of, now. look, when I get into real estate 12 years ago, I'm, I'm 34. And weirdly, I was like one of the younger realtors at the time. And Sherry was, you know, in her 20s still. There wasn't a lot of 20 realtors. There was barely like any mid-30 realtors. Like everybody was way older. Like what's going on now, I think is a product of social media
1: and and Instagram. You know, I think- And, and examples of young young people succeeding. I started real estate at 23. Right. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Keep going, please.
0: So- so there was a lot of rumblings and people were talking shit about our video, like locally here. And like, we didn't care. You know what I mean? Cause we said out loud, Sherry and I, like, if this ever led to us, somebody not hiring us, like that's okay. We, I, we're comfortable working with people that we get along with. Like it almost became a decision. Even we had some people that we wouldn't vibe with and we, Kind of always said, like, look, I want to work with people that if I met you at a wedding, like, we would naturally gravitate towards each other, get along, have a couple drinks, and like have a good time. So, if people weren't going to hire us over this
1: this video, like, we were cool with that. Let, let's be clear though the video, although it's taken down, you guys are working, you guys are wearing business professional outfits in that. Oh, yeah, we're wearing a suit. Sherry and her uh, and your buyer's agent were wearing, yeah. you know, traditional type of uh, business wear. Yeah, we <laughs> so, were like, we had like red solo cups at an open house.
0: I, Hey man, I'm proud of that. I think it was like, came out great. And, 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 you know, it's cool, man. And this is like a big part of like, I think it me and Sherry's ascension. It was like, everything was, we fed on top of each other, yeah. you know, like I'm pretty creative. Sherry's very creative. I think it was just like, uh, we're idea factories and the, and being able to sit there and kind of like bounce ideas off another person with, with ideas, it just like evolved to things. And that's, I think, a big part of our success. We did We tried a lot of stuff. Not everything always worked, but a lot of things did work. I think because our passion was behind it and it, we, we helped each other work out the the kinks and got to like the right thing. She thought of it this way. I thought of it this way. We kind of merged all that and we just got to this thing on in a the, lot of stuff that we've done.
1: In, in the world of selling products like smoke shop products or high end denim, there's really no regulations other than f- pay your taxes and you know don't be a, don't be a, a scumbag, right. but in real estate, I have I call it having to play inside the sandbox. Right. We have rules, regulations, what we can do, what we can't do. Um, but people will stop their creativity because they're so panicked about being slapped on the wrist and and being you know told bad boy, bad girl for for doing that that they just don't do anything. Yeah, you guys have taken it to. Huge levels. You've always stayed within the rules of you've always played inside the sandbox, but that's what's made you guys different. Let's lead to this. So it talks a little bit of we'll talk a little bit about the money that you spend investing into your business. I know you. I know you personally. I know what you You are great to your children. You guys take um, uh, advantage of spending time together in the sense of like going to you guys just got back from trip to celebrate Sherry. Like there's a lot of things that have happened uh, that you guys spend money on for yourselves. But you guys are far from extravagant. Although the income level is what it is, you guys dump a lot of it back into your business. And I mean a lot. Uh, You just told me about what you just recently spent on realtor.com. There's something to be said about people that are dumping money back into their business from money earned that can go into their pocket. Speak to that. Where did you well, guys come up with the idea I, of spending so much back into your business? I think this is huge. And I think we got
0: really lucky right from the jump. And I think even coming out of me owning businesses and knowing that you got to have like a budget, but Sherry was really smart too. And she had a method of just putting money away on every check right off the bat. So from the moment we meet, me, her and our business were third partners right off the bat. From the very first check we ever did, you know, we essentially were 50-50, but we I got a third, she got a third and we put a third back in the business. So we ended up always having a pot that we could try things out of. So it wasn't, and I, I mean, that I really ultimately think is the key to our success is we just kept funding this, our own business. And, but I already knew that, right? Like you in business, you always had a marketing budget. Well, if we're just putting a third of all of our, every check back into our account and our account just started growing, now we got all this money. So yeah, we did a lot of advertising. That That is a lesson that people don't, I think it's one of the biggest things in real estate where real realtors for sure screw up. Cause I think if like me and her opened a flower shop, like you can't cold call your friends and try to fucking sell flowers. Part of my mouth. Right. You like got to figure out like, where are you finding people that are going to come and buy flowers? So it's a different mentality, but somehow in real estate, it's like you're, and I get it. You do want to work your sphere cause you want to talk to people that, that know you, but you got to, if you, if you're trying to get to hundred deals, you, you're you not just going to do that off your sphere. At mm-hmm. least not in the beginning, maybe 20 years in, you can do a hundred deals a year through all the people you sold house to over 20 years. But if you're not reaching out to new people,
1: to people you that don't know you, people you don't know, then you're not gonna get there. That's the crazy thing about real estate specifically, is like it's one thing to go, oh, my friend Zach owns a pizza store, a pizza shop. I'm gonna go there and order pizza. It's another thing to say, Oh, my friend, Zach, just got into real estate. I think I'll have him represent me on the largest transaction of my lifetime. Totally. We want to support you as your friend or family, but we don't want to be the guinea pig to do it. So often when people go, well, how come my cousin didn't use me? How come? Because you're related and they don't want to be the guinea pig when you first started. So you have to prove them positive by that you know what you're doing by actually working with people that you don't know in order to establish the credibility so that way you can work with the people that you do know. So when you talk about spheres, I get it. I-, and that, I felt like
0: that right away. And and for me personally, like when I, you know, me and Sherry like teamed up, she was like, "Well, start reaching out to like some of your friends, you know, and honestly I felt a little, I felt uncomfortable doing that right in the beginning because I did move out of state for a couple of years and I did move back to my town that I didn't want to like just start hitting up everybody I knew like, hey guys, I'm back but I'm in real estate now. You know what I mean? Like I did want to sell some houses. I wanted to prove that I was a realtor and, and then, and whether that's the right thinking process or not, that's how I felt my head. I didn't want to be disingenuous and trying to like reach out to my old friends because I'm in real estate now. And, and, and the way I left, I had a falling out with some people too, because I've been roommates and best friends and business partners with my buddy for so long. And in our friend group, when like all that fell apart, you know, some people pick some sides, you That's know, right. it's all, it's all, it's like a divorce.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's going to hang out with the, the wife and who's going to hang out with the husband as they separate, you know, who, who what friendship can't, can't be friends with both of you. Cause you're, both and, and I was both spiteful.
0: Some of my friends chose what I felt was the wrong choice. And you know, I like it, it hurt my feelings. So I had to come back and like, you know, I had to find my own confidence in what I was doing and, then feel comfortable like talking to people like, oh yeah, hey, I sold 13 houses, 20, 30, 40, 50, you know Now I feel like I'm a real realtor right? because in our city, you get to like 40 deals a year you're you're around the top ten mark. yeah. So right off the bat, you know, and basically in our third year, Sherry and I were were top ten team in Santa Cruz. Well, I'm confident now now I can start, but this is also like kind of the beginning of Facebook. like we were the first agents really in our city to really start like putting on social media, Facebook, what we were doing, you know, that I have a listener, I'm going to a home inspection, like people weren't doing that. It no, was just, like weird to think about.
1: <laughs> and that's, and that's the funny part. When I talked to Sherry, I was laughing because she always starts all of her live videos. What up Facebook? And then uh-huh. she goes into whatever she's doing in particular open houses or showing off a new listing. You guys have always been really good at that. All right. So, you got I we don't need to go the one, the one part of that because it makes me think of something and, and this is something I talked to you know now we own a brokerage too, right? So
0: I'll jump ahead real quick. We we own a brokerage. Um we're up to about 30 realtors. We just bought a building, Dude, that's nice. you know. So when I when we and we do weekly trainings, but one of the things I often think about is because we were early adapters to Facebook and utilizing it. I can, re- I can literally remember. I can remember the agents that would say this to me, and I heard it like multiple times from some of the older agents at that time, and they would all be like, "As we were, you know, everybody always wants to know why you're successful, right? Oh, how you got, how did you guys get to fifty deals?" And they would all go like, "Oh, you guys do that social media thing." Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really into that. I'd rather spend money on classified ads. And think about that. Think about like that person, and and that's something I reflect on a lot. Because you do get stuck in your ways and it's hard to change. And like right now we're changing our entire back end of everything we're running and our CRM and like everything. And it is hard, but we're doing it because I know it's going to be better for our growth going forward. And I, that's the people that I think about that you can't get stuck in your ways. And you know, I'm getting closer to 50 now. Like, I don't want, you gotta be, you gotta adapt. you got to move. You gotta move through. You can't just be doing things the way you're doing things. You know, imagine just walking around neighborhoods, handing out flags. People do that still, though.
1: I know. And that's but the like, funny part about it. It's like, it's not that it doesn't work. It's just not Right,
0: Right. Like, right. Because I could go make a post right now or go live right now with thousands of followers. Right. You could reach, you're reaching a bigger segment of the people that know you by doing it. You could still do that. Still having a farm and marketing to your farm, if that's your neighborhood, I think there's value in that. I know people that that sell a lot of houses. There's people out here that have certain neighborhoods on 100% on lock mm-hmm. and because of that. But it's not because of a mailer. It's because of 17 years of mailing. True. And 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 walking your neighborhood and, hey, Bob, hey, Sandy. Like, you, you know your neighbors. They better enlist with you.
1: <laughs> it's almost Bob and Sandy when we talk about the old school way of doing things. I think they're- <laughs> We've offended them. Um, all right. So you're spending like five figures on a monthly in order for you to continue to maintain and grow the business. What are some of the decisions that you make when you're cutting a check for that kind of number? I mean, you've got to look at it. You and sure you're looking at stuff and going, All right, let's try it. Or yeah, do we ramp up to, to be spending five figures? I don't care if you want to share it or not, it's up to you with how much you spend on particular things, but Give me an example of something that you started with, maybe even your your parties that you guys do. Uh, these well, the, are I mean, the parties huge. are a big one, and and again, this goes back to having a, a that budget of a third
0: of our all of our closings in a pot because we started throwing Halloween parties, and then and we made a Sherry always had to say when I first met her that your clients are like uh, your your car, like an oil change. You got to service them. You basically got to talk to them every three months, once a quarter, right? There's just kind of like it was her motto. So we just kind of took that and said, okay, let's divide the year up and let's make four things that we are going to do. So we did a Memorial day picnic. We did a Halloween party. um, We did a pictures with Santa. Now, granted those are in the same quarter, but we kind of let December bleed over. You know what I mean? So we, we, it's not like we chunked it into four equal quarters, but we had four touch points a year where we could reach out to all of our friends, family, past clients and say, come to us for something fun Mm -hmm. so memorial day picnic which probably the best one we've had on that was five or six hundred people at one point we had 120 people just in the egg toss you know just lined up 120 people just doing that our halloween party the best one we had was right before covid hit that last halloween in 19 we had like nearly 700 people show up to our halloween party you know and and what's pretty cool about it. And the same thing with pictures with Santa and we've done all these different versions of all these and some of them got pretty expensive. It's almost like throwing a wedding when you've got yeah. 500 guests coming to sit down. Santa never got 500. I think we pushed like three something with Santa, but we're doing a like a breakfast. Yeah. So you need all the tables. So yeah, we're renting out like a hotel. It's literally like throwing a wedding, except you're also paying for a Santa from the Lexus commercials and we're trucking in snow we're spending 20,
1: $30,000. You know, it's pretty wild. Are you, are you, are you sub, um, are you subsidizing it through sponsorships or anything like that? We have and,
0: and, but we're self-efficient, you know what I mean? And yes, like, cause we're very loyal and we have like our dedicated lender and our, and of course they help with stuff like that, but I'm not the guy that's going to people asking to do things for me. I'm okay doing it this way and we've budgeted for it and we have the money. But the cool thing about it is there's always one of our past clients or one of our friends or somebody who goes, Hey, is it cool if I bring my neighbor, you know, Hey, they want to sell, you know, like it's like, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're getting all of our people to be advocates for us and our business. And that's huge. Right. And. Scratch
1: your back mentality. Right. So like you, every year I come to all four of your events. I'm not I'm giving a hypothetical. Yeah. I haven't had that yet. I uh, come to your events. I have a great time. You guys all you should come are... to this
0: year's Halloween party, because I think this one's going to be uh, off the
1: hook. <laughs> we're, we're, we're weeks away from it. Right. And, yeah. uh, and, and I know what kind of parties you guys put on uh, PG plus. I don't know if I could bring my little infant there, but let's see what happens. Maybe we make it happen. Uh, I would tell you that, like, the investment that you guys make on these are so incredible. And here's the cool thing about it. We talked about it going viral. Uh, the photography that comes from your events with people dressed up and having a great time and then being in their social circles, posting it on their Facebooks, on their Instagrams, on their whatever. Well, remember, we
0: have that photo booth. That's a big part of a lot of the stuff that we did. And I, I think it's a part of, of the viralness. Sure. Because Yeah, we're, t- we're having these pictures taken with like a frame with our logo on it. And then everyone's downloading, they're sharing those, right? So now you're the spider web of Of social media, yeah. If six hundred people come and and half of them take the picture with our picture on it and they post it, that's
1: three hundred people. We're going to three hundred different spheres. And you know, one of the biggest questions they're going to be asked by their social circle is, "Well, where was that at, or what was that event?" Well, what's funny is like some people like literally have said things like,
0: "My realtor is better than your realtor." Look at this party we're at. (laughs) Like they like (laughs) that's what they're posting. You
1: know what I mean? Like the only thing my realtor gave me was a hard time. I get it. It's like, <laughs> all right. So you invest in all these. You make some decisions. Um, when you and Sherry are faced with the decision of spending a big bucks on something, uh, yes, What are some of good. the things that you guys think about before you make that decision? I, I think oh. you brought up a, a one earlier, which is, what's a long term vision of what this is going to do for our business? You do it without immediate return. I know people will like send out two mailers and go, shit, I didn't get any business from this, right. so. Screw it. You guys look at it from a long-term investment standpoint versus maybe how come this didn't pay me on the dollar that I just put in?
0: Yeah. And, and some things work well and don't. And you know, but you've got to run them out to like really be able to like review. We always sit down at the end of the year and go right about this time of the year. Honestly, in October, we're sitting down looking at okay, what's been working to even like if we got to change anything, adjust in the final quarter. But right now in October, we're thinking about next year. And we look at what worked and didn't work. And, you know, there's been things that don't hit, but you know, we have a team now too. So making sure leads come in to essentially feed our team. Like that's important to us to make sure that, that everybody, you know, there's enough to go around. Right. So that's part of the decision. It's not like we're looking specifically at ROI and making sure like, that's not how we operate. Right. But, but we also have a good budget. You know what I mean? Like, What's cool as we've got to, you know, doing a hundred million dollars in transaction volume last year, there's a pretty good budget sitting there that we, it's okay to try things and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, move off of it in a few months or, you know, half a year and, and try something else. And, and but we're also really good converters. I mean, I believe leads are easy. Anyone can yeah. get leads. I don't think that's the hard part at all. The hard part is the conversion, right? So having the systems in place, having the contact management software to be able to follow up and, you know, train our people to follow up as aggressive and, and as Sherry has been her whole career to make sure that it's working because yeah, getting a bunch of leads in and not hitting them up. What, what's the point of that? Right. Right. Well, oh, people, to...
1: how it, it, it's expensive to get the phone to ring, but it's more expensive to get the phone to ring. You answer it and not know what the hell to do after that.
0: Right. So, yeah, it, it's like door knocking and you get the face to face. Someone says, come in. Oh, God. You should. What now? That. Yeah. You should. Uh,
1: I got to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was was not expecting this. Was not on the script. (laughs) Uh, Zach, before we, before I wrap up, how do people get a hold of you on your website? Just you know, just to get to know you guys as business people. If they they're sending businesses Southern California, uh, I want them to be able to reach out to you first because I know you guys are really good about servicing the area you service. And if it's not there then you'll point them in the right direction of somebody that will cover them. How do they get Yeah, a you
0: can find us, Sherry and Zach, um, Z-A-C-H, Zach, Sherry is spelled like cherries with no S. So if you just look that up, you'll find pretty much everything. We, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. <laughs> Our website is sherryandzach.com.
1: They won't find your video that you did a few years back on YouTube, but everything else is, yeah. If
0: you find us and hit us up, we can. it's still hiding on Facebook somewhere, so I can, I can go uh, tag you in it.
1: Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. So as we wrap up, I think one thing that I want to leave them with the lesson is you are a guru when it comes to uh, Internet usage, understanding how to work with people's uh, psychology of what works for it and what doesn't. Talk to us about what you would say for 2023, what businesses should be focusing on when they're trying to build it using internet-based.
0: Well, I mean, the world's changed so hard, right? So, you you know, when I first started 10 years ago, it was really easy to blog and get SEO. And we did that and it worked. It's a little different world now, but I would just say content. And I know everyone knows that, but, you know, same thing we are just talking about, right? Like I can give... One of our agents a lead, and you can try to reach out to them. But you know what people always say is like, oh, they're not responding. Well, you can't just keep asking them if they want to buy a house, right? So you got to. In our world, we've got to make content that you can send to those people. Whether so, I prefer videos, you know. But it doesn't have to be a video necessarily. But if you make videos about your business or things that people might have questions about your business, and you can get those that content to those people, it's going to make them know, like, and trust you. Right. And in our world, I found that, you know, people that want to buy a house or maybe sell a house, they're embarrassed to say that they don't understand the process. They don't just come out and go, Hey Zach, I'm glad that I found you. I know nothing about this process at all. Can you please explain everything to me? They don't do that, but they're out there looking for the information. So if you could be the one that gave them the information, then now you've got, you know, hopefully a trusted client. They're like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. And that, and I see that happen. I have these videos I've put on YouTube where you're explaining processes and people will message on YouTube and go, Oh, this is a great video. I'm interested in buying a
1: house. Can you, you know, how do I get a hold of you? What's your phone number? You know? I think, so I think also too, it's, I was laughing. There's somebody that was asking me for some help. So I tried to give him some help in there. I was like, well, how come you haven't created a, if, it, if there's a frequently asked question that like keeps coming up over and over again, why not just do a video that answers it to the masses by recording it once? I don't have time for that. I was like, well, what do you have time for? Well, I got to go make some cold calls. I got to make, like, I don't want to help you anymore. Yeah. You're, you're actually not somebody that is, has the brain capacity to understand what you're doing here because you are willing to, to pound the pavement one at a time when you know what the same questions are, you know that they want to know what their house is worth. You want to they want to know how to improve the ability for them to sell faster. If all these questions are coming up over and over again, make a damn video, create the content that says it. Here's, here's what it is that you need to know. Need more detailed information, call sharing that. Right. And and that would save everybody a, a hell of a lot more um time and in, in their business if they just be a little bit more purposeful up front rather than just. You know, nail, hammer, nail, hammer, nail down the pathway and and just be smarter about it. And you guys have really taken advantage of that in a good way. And And on the
0: daily operations too, because not just trying to get new clients, but think about like the processes of buying and selling a home. I've broken all that down into videos for every step of the process. So if you're giving that out to them, you're freeing up your own time. The things that you're redundantly speaking about through every transaction. And when you get to this point, I mean, we're doing essentially... 15 deals a month ish. Right. So that's a lot of repeating yourself in text messages. Mm -hmm. If that's just a video you can fire off your client and go, Hey, tomorrow's the home inspection. Here's everything you need to know about a home inspection. Watch this video. If you have any questions, hit me up. Guess what? They don't hate you up. zero questions ever
1: yeah because you were thorough about how you built it in the first place going over a contract
0: and i this can apply to any business I'm sure there's redundant stuff I, I like to say how do you, we reduce the redundancy of our business that's going to free up time where hopefully you're not I'm not working 80 hours a week for the rest of my life
1: bro tell us about this Christmas uh, excuse me tell us about the Halloween party before we say goodbye
0: yeah if you're around Santa Greta uh, find me um, we'll be at our local club. Uh, we're expecting six, 700 people. We got a, a really cool magician. We got some cool stuff. It's it's a good time. We got a great DJ up up from the Bay Area. Last year, we had it booked, and they actually bounced us for Too Short. <laughs> wait, wait, I, wait, what? I know. I was pissed, but it was Too it was Short. We had the day, like, reserved, and they were like, sorry, Too Short's coming into town. And they, they took the day away for Too Short. This year, we paid up front. They can't bounce us. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I said to a friend, oh yeah there's a there's a a rapper from the 90s that's really popular i showed it to him and they go two dollar sign hort who's that like (laughs) no yeah you don't listen to hip-hop i'll see you (laughs) all right zach man thanks for the time you're awesome thanks man good to see see you